Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast, Kevin and Chuck. Well, today, we're going to talk a little bit about World War I. We're going to talk about a badass, Sergeant Alvin York. Um, now, this guy isn't noted for a lot of things, but what he did is a superior level of badass. And that's what sets him apart. But, uh, Kevin, let's set the stage a little bit. How does it all play out? Like, how do we, how do we get into World War One? Where is this guy coming from? What's happening? All right. Well, let's see. Uh, <clears throat> let's start off with the Pancho Villa expedition because that's really where the all story right. the story takes its first uh, first turn. Now, the Pancho Villa right. expedition uh, was conducted by the United States, trying to search uh, search for for uh, Pancho Villa. And they had all sorts of crazy shit. They had like um, planes, like the first planes, but it was like a weird Wright Brothers plane, you know, like a biplane that you laid down on and was made so out of It was of made out of balsa wood. Right, exactly. Right. It didn't really fly, okay. you know, it went up like 100 feet and you could kind of- Were there around. rubber bands involved? Yeah, it was, it was, it was like really, I mean, yeah. you're more likely to die than actually see anything using this plane. Okay. Um, but it was mostly led on horseback and it was led by, uh, um, by John Pershing. Uh, and 
you know who else was was on this expedition was George Patton, though he was uh, oh. he was not a general at this point. This is this is about thirty years yeah. before World War II. This is a uh, nineteen sixteen. Yeah. So, uh, so they went out looking around for him, and they got into some some small arms fights and back and forth, and they 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 killed most of his his army, but Pontchavilla got away. That was the that would the okay. Wilson administration stated that they wanted to capture him, and they never did. Okay. But what happened on? So this, you're saying the U.S. government failed? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was ridiculous. The whole thing was ridiculous. Why? Why would okay. he even bother with this stuff? But the uh, this was the first uh, co- uh, conflict that the Colt 1911 was used, and that's one of the main characters of this story. So the Colt 1911 is is a handgun and it's basically the first service uh sidearm that was not a revolver it's magazine fed uh and it saw service for a long time yeah Yeah. and it's it was still used in world war ii i mean it it was around and after the korean war and even even uh vietnam war so it was uh it was around for a while now what nice. do you say the Colt the Colt nineteen eleven has a what a six ma- uh six uh, round magazine a standard like fit in the gun it's a forty five caliber six round magazine that's what you're looking at there uh, now you know people say oh one in the chamber so all right we'll make it bump it up to seven I know my nineteen eleven comes with a magazine that has like plus one mm-hmm. that makes it not horribly awkward. You know, having a little sticking out at the bottom. Right. Um, but it, the bottom line is you have serious stopping power with the bullet. So the idea is you don't need a lot. But again, remember, your handgun is so you can get to your rifle. Mm-hmm. Your handgun is when your rifle's been damaged, you got shot at with a mortar and your gun flew across the, the battlefield and it's 20 feet away and the enemy's charging at you. This is your last resort. This is not meant to be your primary fighting weapon. Right. Um, I mean, that as with any handgun. And and so six rounds, I don't think is unreasonable. Um, you know, if there's more than six of them, unless you're uh, Alvin York. Yeah, you're fucked. You know, but you're fucked. Generally speaking, you would be carrying your rifle with you too. Now, in, you know, in World War II, he had a... Uh, uh, what was it? A nineteen seventeen M nineteen seventeen Enfield. So that's a uh, you know that's basically you know that's basically your basic bolt action uh, magazine fed rifle, and that doesn't you know that only holds five rounds. So right off the bat, you know you're you're limited on the amount of ammunition you have before you're you're changing. Uh, and what's cool about the 1917 right is that it would uh it was a clip not a magazine right that is that is interesting everywhere uh, I read. yeah so it is it is referred to as a clip so you would have like a little strip of five bullets mm-hmm. and just drop them in the top of the gun mm-hmm. you know you'd open the bolt drop them in and you'd be good to go right right now so this so this brings us up to World War One, which you know, okay. World War One was was basically a, a weird war that was fought for no particular reason. Um, 
Yeah, but think of all the terrifying nightmares that came from those gas masks in World War uh, One. Mustard gas. And some of our, our like, I've put so gas. it was chlorine gas. Yeah, yeah, but so this is the first war that chemical weapons were ever. Well, see, that's not true. But the first war that gas was ever used. Mm-hmm. Or at least on a grand scale. But I, I don't even know. I mean, you know, who knows what people were doing back in the day. But it's the first documented yeah. kind well, it of. Was, it was, a, you know, it was funny because it's a, it was against a lot of fire shells that had gas in it. So instead okay. what they did, since that was against the rules of war, instead what they did was they just got 55 gallon drums and punched holes in it and kicked them down hills towards people. Right. So, and they did end up. The Germans did end up using shells with gas. Yeah, by the end um, during that war, the British um, and some other people did uh, use um, gas. But again, I, I don't know about the shells and all that. Um, but a lot of people died from being gassed in that those wars. Yeah. So, uh, um, so that you know, the, this basically started when a when a terrorist group called the Black Hand assassinated Archduke Franz Ferdinand. There were Serbians trying oh, to get... I think uh, I lost you. Yeah. We lost you for a All second. Right. When a terrorist group, what? Called the Black Hand decided to assassinate oh. Archduke Franz Ferdinand. That was a, there was a Serbian terrorist okay. group. So they went to war. Uh, Germany went to war on them. Russia went to war on, against Germany. Germany went to war with France. Uh, Germany went to war with Belgium, England declared war on Germany, and basically everybody was just, you know, in treaties with each other that guaranteed that they'd back each other up, and so they all drew up lines and and started killing everybody over really nothing, you know? Yeah, it was was a weird thing. He was not important to history in any way, but it happened. All right, before we get too far ahead, let me drop some gas facts on you, though. Germans released 75,000 tons of chlorine gas. The French released 56, oh, the British and the French combined, 56,000 tons. In total, 1.2 million soldiers on both sides were gassed. However, only 91,198 died from their injuries. Now, this could be like one of those like Agent Orange things. Where later on in the future, um, yeah, whose Argon offensive started? That was led uh, led by General Pershing, and it was uh, basically it was wanted it. They wanted it to be the final blow against Germany to to finish off the war. Um, okay. It was a stupid plan because it basically involved people charging into the forest up mountains uh, towards machine guns. So, you know, the whole thing went to shit immediately. They managed to <laughs> capture about five miles of land in the first two weeks. Uh, ultimately, ended up, ended up causing, uh, let's see, there was total, there was uh, uh, 1,200,000 U.S. and French troops. Um there were 850 Siamese troops, whatever the hell that means. Uh, there are 192,000 casualties uh, with the um, French in the U.S., and there, the Siamese lost 19, which is, you know, interesting interesting little fact there. Now, if Germany you send had, 20 people. Yeah. 
19. Uh, <laughs> well, it was 850 Siamese troops and it was 19. Okay. Casualties. But uh, Germany had about 450,000 uh, troops stationed in the, in this forest. Now, uh, basically, <clears throat> this this battle went on for uh, for about a month. Um, September, all of September, or the end of September to the Armistice Day, which is November 11th. And right. uh, a lot, lot of people died. And uh, this is where Alvin York found himself uh, in this okay. battle. Now, Alvin York is interesting character because they call him the uh, the warrior monk because he was, uh, when he was growing up, what he really liked, to do, he only liked to do two things aside of working. And that was fight and drink. And oh, no, in, no. It was going to church and getting into drunk fights. He liked yeah. both of those things. And Yeah, it's weird. So he, he was pretty religious all along, mm-hmm. like growing up. I mean, it's not like he was heathen, but this boy was out rabble-rousing, like worked hard, played hard kind of right. thing. And he, you know, out there drinking, getting in bar fights. However, coming from Tennessee, and that would be the land of Daniel Boone, Mm-hmm. Um, also Davy Crockett, but I have to point out, he, he definitely had a, uh, fascination with Daniel Boone, I would point out. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's why he stepped up his, uh, sharpshooting kind of skills and really put effort and was a good hunter and, and put thought and effort. He came into the military, quite the marksman. Um, um, and it was weird cause he kind of had a, uh, we'll say a come to God moment where he kind of got a little more religious and, and laid off of the booze in and the, the whatever. I, I think it was more to win the affections of a certain young lady mm-hmm. who, uh, if you Google Alvin York and uh, check out this young lady, you might be a little surprised at uh, how beautiful she really was. Um the word terrifying comes to mind. I don't know. But anyway. Not the track. Right along. Not in it. Now I, guess I, I hope like his, then. his descendants aren't like Googling his name and then our podcast comes up and they're like, oh, what do these guys have to say about him? And then yeah. they're gonna be like, What, grandma? And I'll be like, uh, yeah, that's yeah. awkward. Sorry. But uh so there there was a certain young lady who I will say in the movie with Gary Cooper was an attractive young lady. Mm-hmm. However, in reality, it's up to the, uh, you know, buyer beware is all I could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so he goes to, he, to win the affections of this young lady and kind of has a uh, come to God moment and starts really getting more into church. And I think it's more, he's putting down his kind of fighting ways and like trying not to be a rabble rouser right. is really where the conscientious objector kind of came. Like he was trying to, you know, turn it over, but he also didn't seem like, what is it? The word ignorant is not, it doesn't mean you're naturally stupid. It's just, mm-hmm. you haven't been exposed to things. Is that the right? One? He had a third grade he had education. He wasn't right. Like- it's, it's that it's, it's where he came from. Not the, uh, not that the guy wasn't a smart man because he seemed like a smart man. Yeah. It just, you know, again, you, you kind of know what you've been taught. And 
So, you know, he kind of was reading the Bible and he seemed to be well versed in the Bible from the story that I read. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, had a good understanding of it. And it was actually, you know, when he first got to like, you know, military training and, and they straightened him out, they uh, he was like, you know, I'm not sure that I want to carry a weapon in battle because I'm not sure I can really go through with killing people. I feel like it's wrong. They were so impressed with his marksmanship that they were like, hey, why don't you uh, come talk to me and whatever. And one of his, uh, it was actually a captain, was like, hey, you know, I'd like to, uh, to, you know, talk to you about promoting you, but I'm a little worried about this conscientious objector thing. Are you going to be able to fight? And he's like, well, you know, I really have a problem with it, whatever. And he laid down some kind of, you know, some kind of inspiring words and said, I'll tell you what, if you think about what I'm telling you and you really want to quit, I'll let you out of the military. Cause I think he knew that he was an honorable guy mm-hmm. and he kind of knew he'd come to the right decision, but it's better to let somebody make those choices before they go to battle. Right. Than in the heat of the moment. Right. And I think and- he had said that he was going to, he saw himself dying in battle, but he didn't see himself killing somebody in battle beforehand. So basically he had a a little, you know, come around kind of moment. And I think he made peace with it, but he definitely wasn't out to kill people. Right. Um, that, that wasn't the mission. So anyway, but I think when he was convinced that he could save more lives and do more good by killing a few, that that's kind of how you wrap your head around that. But anyway, so they ship him off to battle. And mm-hmm. then, Kevin, what happens? Well, not <clears throat> October I'm 8th. jumping the gun? No, nope, we're, we're right on point here. October right. 8th, this is, uh, this is what happens. He finds himself separated from the majority of the battalion, the 82nd Battalion. Um, and uh, him and 13 other privates uh, are He's a corporal. lost in the woods. He's a corporal at this point. Yeah, he got a little bump for being a good marksman. Right. Right. And uh, they they come out into a clearing and uh, they come across a bunch of guys that are like playing cards and, and, you know, sitting there with their, you know, their pants down. Basically caught them with their pants down. So they capture them and immediately they come out under machine gun fire. Um, so... York works his way up around around the situation. Now his best friend just got just got shot, and not shot like once where you know he got hurt, but like shot like eighteen times, and it was he was just right all over the the field there. So this that is would what, definitely hurt. Yeah, this yeah. is what York said. Uh, General, uh, I'm sorry. This is what Corporal York said about it later on. So, and those machine guns were spitting fire and cutting down the undergrowth all around me. Something awful. And the Germans were yelling orders. You never heard such a racket in all your life. I didn't have time to dodge behind a tree or dive into the brush. As soon as the machine guns opened fire on me, I began to exchange shots with them. There were over 30 of them in continuous action. And all the time, all I could do was touch off the Germans just as fast as I could. I was sharpshooting. All the time I kept yelling at them to come down. 
I didn't want to kill any more of them than I had to, but it was it was they or I. <clears throat> and I was giving them the best I had. So he ended up killing about 13 guys there, just, you know, one at a time, picking them off. And then they decide if they charge him, he won't be able to shoot them all at once since there is only one guy. So six, uh, six Germans came charging at him with bayonets, and he was out with his M17. He was out of rounds. So he got his 1911, and he only had six shots, and he shot six of them. Every one of them was a direct hit, and every one was a kill shot. That's like, that's some serious under pressure, uh, you know, under pressure work there, man. So he was able to, able to get the rest of them to surrender. And, uh, except for one, one guy that wouldn't drop his rifle. Uh, what, he was a younger kid and he felt bad about it later, but he just shot him in the head and, and killed him. And then after that, everybody was like, all right, all right, that's enough. And ended up, they ended up capturing, uh, what was it? 128? 128 sold German soldiers. 132, I think, was what uh, I heard. I'm sorry, yeah, it was 128 um, uh, soldiers, and it was four officers. All right, that sounds accurate. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's crazy. Well, the idea was he captured that first batch, and then was like, yeah, you know, let's just keep going, and kept moving further into battle. Mm -hmm. which is is pretty crazy um you know some people would be like look we already got a little victory let's take mm -hmm. it home go for the win let's get and, out of here and the thing is so the way it ended up he rolled back into the camp with 132 prisoners and it was him and seven other guys so eight right. people all together now, as mm -hmm. kevin said started out with 13 yeah and but all 13 didn't yeah. make it Exactly. Exactly. Most of them were killed in the initial uh, machine gun fire. Now, yeah, which and that um, was the thing was he was taking out machine gun nests. I mean, that's some Audie right. Murphy shit right there. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. um, he did go around in the beginning and uh, kind of flank him, and and that's that's nice. Like he went out the line. I, I guess the way that I read it was his group was taking heavy fire, and whoever was the uh the non-commissioned officer at the time his sergeant whatever was like look i'm dying here like literally dying mm -hmm. so you're ranking you know non-commissioned officer so go for it it's you and then he was like well shit if i'm in charge i'm not gonna sit here just getting shot i'm gonna go around and flank him so he grabbed a couple guys and they went off to the outside. I mean, that seemed to be his his technique was more being being selfless, but actually thinking too, strategizing. Um, so, like one of his big moves uh, they talked about was he would uh, go out and hide, like to the side where I, I guess it was set up like to be a frontal assault. Like they'll dig the trench and they'll have a big line and they just assume the enemy is going to come up the hill or whatever, which in this case, you know, it was up a hill and that they were going to, you know, just get mowed down as they're going up. Well, so what he did was he went way left where in order to shoot from their position, 
they had to kind of stand up and reach around in order to shoot at him. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I thought if I could draw their fire, it would give my guys a chance to shoot at him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people don't want to expose themselves in war, you know, when you're all, you know, beat up and battered and, and taking heavy fire. Nobody wants to really stick their head out, you know? Right. And as Patton famously said, you don't win a war by dying for your country. You win a war by making the other bastard die for his. Exactly. That's that's really one of those, one of those things. If, if, you know, with, with his sharpshooter skills, he was able to take enough of them out that everybody else realized, Oh shit, if we keep doing this, we're all just going to be dead. You know? Cause he's picking us off. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really where, I mean, I think it, it really matters to, you know, spend the time and learn how to shoot, um, put the effort, get some, develop some skill. Um, there's so many different aspects to fighting, but you know, think about what world you're going to live in and what's going to be practical for you what you carry in your day to day and, you know, learn to utilize it. And if you can't carry a weapon or maybe only a knife or whatever, learn to utilize the tools that you have available to you and right. put the efforts, you know, into it. Yeah. Um, now, stepping up your skill is going to really, you know, change the way that you see the world. Right. And, you know, the sad ending to the story is that, you know, he was a very religious person. Um, but since he was a ginger, he had no soul. Right. You know, and that's no soul. (laughs) I mean, so he didn't, he didn't end up going to heaven after all, I guess. Yeah. You know, hey, teach his own, right? But I mean, I think that's why the Germans were so terrified. Yeah. Yeah. You see a soulless ginger who can shoot. Uh huh. And they're coming at you, and you're like, shit, he ain't stopping. (laughs) That's right. You know, that guy's just going to keep going. What are you going to do to him? Mm-hmm. He's got no soul. You can't stop him. Uh, but, so what else is going on in the world? I heard you. Uh, I heard you uh, got your uh, your farm up and running now. Kind of got things moving along now. And you're wrapping. Uh, you're wrapping up for the year yet? Or are you starting to finish the harvest? Or are y'all y'all starting done to yet? wrap up for the year? Uh, we're planting garlic. Okay. Um, we did plant some garlic and then just got i think six inches of rain i don't know how the garlic fared after that i hope it's okay uh luckily only 50 percent of the garlic was uh in the ground so the next 50 percent maybe we'll have better luck but hopefully it's fine you know who knows um luckily our uh, ground doesn't really absorb much so it's not really a problem (laughs) Uh, we got a bit of little, a bit of clay, so shit just runs off and and runs off into no man's land. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, everything's uh, pretty good there. The uh, I've been uh, I took the week off, but uh, I, I still had some like college classes or something that I'm doing that I had to go take. But uh, we, uh, yeah, I took the week off. I've been working on the trucks. Um, no, everything uh, is coming along on the homestead is what I would say. I, I was just looking at it. There's a lot of pine needles falling. It turns out fall has finally come to the south. Oh. And uh, and now, now yeah, th- so there's a lot of tractor moving and, uh, you know, leaf raking and, and cleaning up. So, yeah, I'm just getting done with my leaf raking. And I've got a, got a couple of trees I got to take down. 
um, oh. before uh, before the snow falls. But I'm pretty pretty much done with my wrapping wrapping the yard up. We haven't gotten any snow yet, but we've had a couple of hard frosts already. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we're doing good. We're she was worried that we were going to get a frost one day, but things are good. Yeah. All right. Sounds good, man. So uh, if you guys want to uh, get a hold of us, you can uh, email us at preppingbadass at gmail.com and uh, check us out on the Facebook group. At Also, just search uh, Prepping Badass and uh, you should find us. Otherwise, with that, stay safe and we'll talk to you guys next week. The Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network.